Welcome everybody to our free community self-healing training call. My name is Yona Brindis. I'm a trained energy therapist, energy coach, and spiritual counselor. I am not a licensed psychologist. So if we are talking about our topic today, namely empath, narcissist, problems and solutions, I want you to know that there are many different views out there, that there are many different perspectives, most of which is based on the phenomenon that we are observing here in our times, which is the empath narcissist attraction, something that perhaps everybody can, well, in some way or another relate to, perhaps knows somebody or has been in this situation, him or herself, to be or find themselves in a relationship that is toxic. I want to uh, set aside for a minute uh, what labels we give those uh, toxic relationship patterns. Um, we are not always clear on whether or not narcissism is in the game. Uh, let's have a deeper look into this here today. And the main objective of this training call is to answer your questions. So I want to uh, make sure that you guys are uh, aware that this is a live call here. This is me. You're seeing me on the screen here. You can turn your video on. You can choose to keep it off. That's up to you. But uh, the main objective is to be there for you, for your questions, and uh, not so much a lecture. We have the Sacred Self-Healing Community for this purpose, where we do these educational lecture-style webinars with exercises and so forth, and many of which are accessible for uh, some of you who are in this Sacred Self-Healing Community. If you would like to know how to be part of this, then please check the website or uh, text me or sign up for the link here that, that notifies you when we do these training calls. These training calls are public, they are for you, and um, I hope that we will have a lot of questions. Typically, what I do is I systematically illuminate a subject and go through all these different aspects and you know, things that we recognize here from our subjective perspective. Um, in this training call here, I would like to emphasize or focus on your questions. So I'll jump in between slides to show, to visualize things uh, to you and would like to refer to other publications. Ask questions at any time. So another welcome to all of you to this uh, community self-healing call here uh, for your questions. And today's subject is the phenomenon empath, narcissist, problems and solutions. Now we also have a chat and you can ask questions there at any time. I hope that I will be able to address them all in the time given. 
So if we just look at things here from the perspective of the phenomenon, namely the empath-narcissist relationship and this seemingly weird attraction between empaths and narcissists, it's very important to start out with just understanding what an empath and what a narcissist is. And I don't want to go into uh, strictly strict labels uh, coming from clinical psychology here, I would like to add the energetic perspective, which quite frankly can trigger uh, resistances in you. It can trigger things in you that you disagree. And I would like to open the discussion for this. Uh, but from my perspective as an energy healer and energy coach, a different world that I am seeing uh, other than the world that I am myself as an empath, as a codependent, as somebody who has experienced narcissistic abuse in various degrees, starting with narcissistic parenting, narcissistic relationships, and um, living in a world that seemingly favors narcissism. And this brings in quite a few issues for an empath. What qualifies us or identifies us as empaths. I'm assuming that the majority of you guys are watching this video or coming to this live call see yourself as an empath. But what does this mean? And what does it mean to be a narcissist? All right, so I picked a picture here that uh, is uh, somewhat uh, uh, giving it away. Yeah, uh, but there's of course uh, sort of historical and uh, psychological, clinical definitions of all this as a personality disorder associated with narcissism. And there's, of course, different types of narcissism. But if I just look at it uh, sort of from the perspective of the differences and the opposites, yes, Denise, that is uh, quite correct. An empath is someone who has empathy. Now, the question is, does it mean that the narcissist doesn't have empathy? That's probably the first question we can all ask here, uh, you know, just as a, as a logical conclusion that needs to be verified. Yes, so your comment here is that it's blocked in the narcissist. Okay, I like that. Um, but what is a narcissist then? Um, without uh, describing the narcissist through its own label, what are the differences between empaths and narcissists? So yeah, the slide on the screen here is allowing you to, to jog your memory a bit, but let's just be non-judgmental here for a minute and don't jump to premature conclusions, okay? In order to better understand and ultimately to better heal the issues that come with uh, empaths and narcissists in relationship to another, and ultimately to recover from it. It's very important to investigate this, to not just go from our own personal, positionalized experience, which is, uh, uh, you know, I'm gonna anticipate this for you. Most people think in terms of uh, narcissist as, as evil or bad or, or dark and empath as, as good and light and, you know, uh, sort of the, the victim and the narcissist as the perpetrator. 
Yes, I like this, Cheryl. We all have narcissistic tendencies. Thank you. This is a very important step in realizing what the differences are and what the similarities are. Namely, we all have narcissism in us. Narcissism is what allows us to prioritize our own needs, our own survival. Okay, and this uh, can lead to, of course, uh, mental illnesses and uh, toxic behaviors, destructive behaviors, self-destructive behaviors. And uh, psychology is very clear about the distinction here, namely that we all have narcissistic tendencies in the sense that we all need to prioritize our own needs and our own survival. So it is not necessarily pathological to have a narcissistic notion in ourselves. What is an empath then? If, you know, we've already uh, came to the conclusion that empathy, obviously, what is empathy? Empathy is the ability to relate to other people's emotions. That is uh, primarily something that is being felt inside of the empath. And sometimes even to the degree that the empath does not. Yes, there's a lot of thunder and lightning going on here. So a lot of eruptive energy around this subject. So let me move to a place where there's a little less outer disturbance. So if a narcissist has something that empaths have too, and if the empath has something that narcissists have as well, then how can we distinguish whether somebody is an empath or a narcissist? Denise is sharing here, an empath is connected to its source and surroundings. All right. Um, meaning, you know, paying attention to it, correct? Is that how you mean this? A, an empath would, per definition, per, let's say, predisposition, pay attention to its own source and its own surroundings. Okay. Uh -huh. A narcissist isn't connected to its own source. Interesting. Let's discuss this here for a moment. Let me ask you one other question. Is a narcissist connected to its or his, his or hers surroundings, in your opinion? Yes, so the narcissist is very much so connected to his or her surroundings. In fact, it's almost a pathological connection to the outside. And uh, with the empath, same thing. So uh, the main difference here, and let's uh, you know do this, just give this a little bit of structure. So empathy is the ability to relate to the emotions and reactions of others. And uh, narcissism, uh, whoops, uh, is uh, the ability uh, to read other people's energies and uh, reactions, just as uh, you know, emotions of other people. But there's something quite different here between the two. So that is the choice. So empaths choose to overemphasize 
other people's emotions, needs, and reactions. Because they're not in touch with their true emotions, needs, and desires. Now, Denise, this is a bit of the opposite of from what you just said. And I think this creates a little bit of resistance in all of us here. Okay, Cheryl's adding, yes. Narcissists will take advantage of this ability. Okay. I will show you here how empaths also take advantage of this ability. But the main thing here that I want that I want to show you is that we must not confuse abilities and uh, you know the abilities to generally like say know what source is or feel it or you know feel it in oneself, feel it in others. And the ability to judge and to choose okay so narcissism would be the fixation on one's own one's own needs desires agendas in conjunction conjunction with the reactions of others so here we can clarify something namely that the narcissist is very well in touch with the emotions and reactions of others in fact the narcissist needs them and we have uh, this uh, type of uh, abuse or they had taken advantage of other people's emotions, needs, desires, goals, uh, classified here in, in different uh, types of narcissism, in uh, uh, different narcissistic traits and behaviors, as well as the mind games and the manipulation, the, the gaslighting tactics, the mind control. Um, and so forth, which I don't want to go into here because I've done explainer videos about them. Uh, what is uh, more interesting here for us uh, to look uh, deeper into uh, is that whether or not we are able to judge or label uh, our relationship. Okay, so when we say as empaths, we have the ability to feel and relate to other people's emotions. Um, and I've questioned the ability to label our own emotions and source. Okay, for a reason that you will see here uh, very quickly, because that's what every study shows. Okay, and it shows something else as well, which is, maybe at first a little, well, I want to say disturbing for us as empaths, namely the older and the more developed the empath becomes as empath, the less this ability, the less the ability to label one's own emotions and uh, one's own needs and also one's own quality of relationships. That's a completely new thought for many of you who are very clear on this uh, dualistic or positionalized way of looking at narcissism and, 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 and empathy and that is that clearly the narcissist is the perpetrator, the empath is the victim and uh, don't worry, um, you're right, uh, it does play out like that but uh, the ability to really read and label emotions, okay, can be disturbed in both. And this is what I want to look a little deeper into here when we talk about problems and solutions because it affects the way we approach our recovery or healing process tremendously, right, by 
understanding the mechanisms that lead to the attraction in the first place. So Denise's commenting is a narcissism, the narcissist unable to provide for themselves and and feed and therefore needs to feed of others. Yes and no. This is a very good question. Okay, so let's just stick with our you know, sort of perception of what narcissists are and do and what empaths are and what they do, okay? Let's just stick with this, okay? Let's just stick with the classical sort of binary good-bad or victim-perpetrator view, okay? The narcissist is unable to provide for themselves. Is that correct? If you look at sort of how it actually plays out in the world would you say if you had to compare the narcissist and the empath that the narcissist is less able to take care or to provide for themselves than the other i don't think so because if i actually look at the majority of empaths and I find one trade that all share. And that is that they believe, whether or not this is true, I want to discuss with you, but that they believe they cannot take care of themselves. They cannot provide for themselves, which is why, and that's then sort of part of this uh, a bit more sophisticated looking at the problems and solutions with narcissistic or, or empath-narcissist relationship, which is why the empath might feel attracted to the narcissist. Because what does narcissism in and of itself allow a narcissist to do? Yes, Heather. And it's not needed to send this privately. Maybe you didn't mean to. Um, the narcissist takes very good care of himself or herself, and the other does not. Uh-huh. So Cheryl is thrown in here, can, both can be covert. Um, covert and overt means uh, sort of openly obvious, and uh, covert means sort of hidden from behind, underneath, so not so obvious. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's all about needs, Becky, that's correct. So what is it really here when we think about who is actually able to meet their needs and who's not able to meet their needs? Who is the victim and who's the perpetrator? Both seem to have needs, okay? The narcissist is relentless about taking care of his or her own needs parasitic, exploitative, entitled, grandiose, sometimes even malignant, many different um, traits associated with narcissism when it comes to their own needs. And what is the empath? The empath emphasizes the needs of others, right? Prioritizes the needs of others almost to the degree of self-destruction. So let's switch the perspective here real quick and go into the victimhood of this. What is a narcissistic abuse symptom or what are the symptoms? And this is maybe something that can help you 
to feel this a little more in yourself as well. These are typical narcissistic abuse symptoms. You feel that you are singled out. You feel that you're the only one in regards to everything. You have a developed or you've developed a disappointed worldview. Perhaps even you lost your faith in humanity. You have no infrastructure left that tells you perhaps that, you know, it's there are people out there that you can trust that, that can you know support you or that can help you in whatever it is that you need to heal all right so you perhaps even lost the ability to discern what is real what isn't you might question yourself your own ability to to you know see yourself in the world you know, what is real, what isn't, you're questioning yourself, you're turning every stone, you're not really sure that what you are perceiving as reality actually is reality. You lost your self, self, sense for normal, okay, because you have been so desensitized to trauma and to things that are toxic, all right, that you often can't even see when something is toxic or can't even feel it when something is re-traumatizing you. You generally feel that your trust is broken. You don't feel like you can trust anybody anymore. You feel exposed, suspicious, maybe even conspiring, you know, or feeling that the world is a big conspiracy and uh, that everybody's just out there to get you. You might be confused in your morality, you know, you, you no longer understand, you know, how people can do things like this, like what happened to you. And you might go into wrong assumptions that the whole world is bad, right? Or that you are bad and that this is the problem, both extremes of this. You have broken values, you know, you... You no longer know if it is even good to be kind, if it's even good to be empathetic. Maybe it's better to just shut down your own empathy. Yeah. Maybe it's better to not even interact with people on a deeper level anymore. Or you feel like the whole world needs healing. The whole world needs truth. The whole world needs you. Okay. You might feel guilty for everything that isn't working in your life or in other people's life. And quite frankly, this can actually lead to a lost sense for logic, you know, a lost sense for objectivity. And of course, you know, whatever it is that we perceive as normal, you know, then also really messes with our ability to, to you know, objectively observe reality. We have a tendency to feel guilty, to feel shameful, a tendency to, to not even knowing who we are anymore, what our values are, what our hopes and dreams are. We've lost hope. You know, maybe we've believed in love and light can heal it all, and yet we've experienced these huge levels of pain and 
disappointment. We also, and this is uh, quite often the case, um, when we experience narcissistic abuse, see something like a karmic repetition. I mean, maybe not the karmic aspect of it, but the repetition part of it. We see this isn't the first time. And we see this repeated. It seems like all, you know, men, in my case, in your case, if you were a male, all women are narcissists. And it's just like this perpetual loop, perpetual cycle of the same thing over and over again. And another symptom that I have noticed here as an energetically uh, energetic coach and healer is that uh, people who have experienced narcissistic abuse have an extremely high level of energetic stress, etheric stress, even feeling etherically stalked or manipulated or attacked. It depends on how the person contextualizes it, you know, how they then value this. So let's look at the, these commonalities and these differences and, you know, form a slightly more differentiated view of all of this. Narcissists choose to overemphasize their own emotions, needs and reactions because they're focused on what they feel as emotions, needs and desires. Both are energetically sensitive. Both need a co. Hmm. That's something not a lot of people actually consider when they stay within this victimhood of narcissistic abuse. Both need a co. Both needed one another. Both can be seen as codependents. Oh, this is an interesting connection that also not a lot of people are making. So what is codependency? Just real quick, it's the excessive emotional or psychological reliance on a partner, typically one who requires support on account of an illness, deficiency, or addiction. Oh, so now we're, we're also talking about addiction here. Both empaths and narcissists can be seen as deficient. In what? What are we, all of us, deficient in? Self-love, yes, Becky, very good, but for different reasons, right? So let's look at this to better understand the empath-narcissist attraction. Okay, we need to, and why it's such a common phenomenon, it is important to understand the similarities and the differences without judgment. So continuing that, okay, what creates this toxic relationship and what is it that both try to get out of it? Okay, so let's back up here for a second. I think I've jumped through a few uh, slides. Okay, empaths choose to overemphasize other people's emotions, needs and reactions because they're not in touch with their true emotions, needs, and their desires, okay? So we've worked this out, but we got stuck here in the labeling, you know, our ability to, to actually correctly label what we are feeling and perhaps even correctly label what kind of relationship we are in. So before we go into the depths of, you know, why 
relationships between empaths and narcissists can end up being so toxic, um, uh, it is important to recognize if we are even able to identify toxicity in our relationship. And this is something that empaths are deficient in. Every study that has been done on this shows this, which is another part of uh, sort of the induction here that empaths are not actually very good in labeling other people's emotions. Now they might be in touch with aspects of other people's emotions because they are very good energy readers but so are narcissists with what we've already worked out together uh, with the distorted empathy maybe none or uh, in clinical psychology they're called functional um, cognitive empathy or uh, some uh, what sort of disconnected empathy and a mental empathy, all right, just through learning, okay, how people react, okay, but there's even some people who have the theory that a narcissist is actually extremely linked into sort of the hive mind of um, what other people think and what sort of the mainstream is and what uh, people you know, as a, as a sort of undifferentiated mass, okay, regard as good and not good. But the ability to determine the quality of a relationship, that is something that both lack. Because the narcissist will make it depend on the degree that he receives the supply, and the empath will make it depend on what? the amount of attention, the amount of validation, the amount of physical contact, the amount of what perceived love, okay? And the empath knows that. So, uh, sorry, the narcissist knows that. The narcissist knows exactly what the empath wants and needs and provides it to the empath. Love bombing, soul attention, obviously in a very restricted and controlling way, okay? But a total fixation on you as an empath. And that fills in an empty spot in the empath. Namely, and this is what, again, psychologists call, um, you know, a, a dysfunct sort of attachment, something that points at childhood, namely how we know that we are being loved, how we know that there is a true bond there. And that's why we see these extremely strong uh, problems here with uh, even recognizing that the relationship with the narcissist is actually toxic is actually destructive for the empath so there is almost like a covert hidden secret unconscious agreement between the narcissist and the empath and that is for as long as you give me your attention i meet all your needs i become everything and every 
one that you want me to be. I'll be dedicated and devoted to you forever. And the narcissist has the agreement with you that for as long as you cover their needs, their needs for grandiosity, their need for entitlement, their need for being superhuman, for being the problem solver and the fixer and the everything, okay? They will spend sole attention to you. And if you dare not to supply this, that's why it's called narcissistic supply, this agreement, if you dare to not deliver, then they will punish you with your worst fear. Because they know what your worst fear is. What is the worst, the biggest fear of an empath? Being excluded, mm -hmm. rejection, abandonment. Yes, not being not validated. Yeah, being not loved. Loneliness, yes. Mm -hmm. And what does the narcissist do? When you do not fulfill your part of the bargain, there they play on that need. Okay, but how do they do that? They pushes you away, yes. But, you know, push-pull games happen between all people. That, that, that doesn't require uh, a sort of a narcissistic or a empathic label. They are push-pull games. Okay, push-pull games are very common amongst people. There's many different reasons. Yes, Denise, they cut you off. They don't just push you a little bit away. They cut you off. They pretend you don't exist. It's all or nothing, exactly. You are either the dream come true for the narcissist, the best slave, the best codependent, the best empath they've ever had, or you're nothing, or you don't exist. So the narcissist has to either glorify you or pretend you don't exist. And that's what allows the, the narcissist to do these hurtful things because as soon as the narcissist is in that mindset that you don't exist, whatever he or she does, cheating, lying, you know, all these really mean, whoops, all these really mean things that we often experience in relationships with narcissists, they don't see this as a problem because you're not even there. What do you do when you get cut off? You, the empath, what do you do? You try to fix. You cry. Yes, and you don't understand why he could be so mean. Mm -hmm. You retreat in silence. Yes, because you've been abandoned, right? This is hitting your worst button, your worst trigger. Yes, and exactly, Shell. As a consequence of this, Worst case scenario, this deepest inner excruciating pain of having been annihilated, of being guilt-tripped and shamed and destroyed at the same time, you begin to try harder. You beg, you plead, and you become better at slaving. 
Mm-hmm. Yes. You, you almost compete. If there was a competitor in the game, you'll compete to be the best slave. You know, to think of uh, situations at work, for instance. Don't see, just see yourself like in, in a romantic relationship with a narcissist. There's plenty of narcissists out there. Yes, and Charles, almost all the way to the point that you give your soul away. Now, we never give our soul away unless we actually know that we're giving our soul away. So that part is taken care of. We have to consciously give our soul away. But we give pretty much everything away but our soul, we give our identity away. Yes, it's a never ending cycle. And um, all this uh, realization here was important for you to, to just have a little sort of broader feel for this, okay? Because I want to point out to all of you what the problems are with the recovery from such a relationship. The biggest problems are that we are doubting ourselves and our emotions, that we're doubting that we can even judge things, that we can even see things right, which of course was strategically implanted. And if we had narcissistic narcissistic parents, we were groomed from childhood on. We were conditioned to be deep in our ability to read our own emotions, our own needs and our own desires and to see reality, okay? This is very important to understand. There's a strategicness, there's a strategy behind that. For narcissists, it's a very simple logic that they have. If I want you to become my best slave, well, I'm going to have to train you. I'm going to have to treat you like an apprentice. And first, I have to pimp you. I have to show you what you can get from me. Okay. And then I gradually pull it away a little bit here, a little bit there, so you know what the punishment is. And then each time you don't fulfill your side of the bargain, right, I punish you severely. But what's the problem inside the empath? The empath, and this is very important because this has to do with the subject that we've discussed here within the sacred self-healing community in the last weeks, namely emotional processing. We we go into nostalgia. We think about all the good times. All we can remember are the moments of excellence, the moments of love bombing, the moments where it was so wonderful and where we had this special relationship with the guy that was just perfect and that had everything we've ever dreamt of. By the way, for the cynical healer, okay, this is a a very common conclusion. If a guy or girl is all perfect in every way, that's a huge red flag. That's a huge red flag for you guys. Okay, because then you're probably dealing with that person's false self. So we go into this nostalgia and the narcissist knows that. So we don't just get into this relationship. We don't just willingly, albeit mostly unconsciously, agree to the hidden agenda. We also keep going back. So this endless cycle that you mentioned here, Denise, is not so passive as we think it is. Okay, so there are differences here 
when we look a little deeper into why do we even go back because we can only remember the good things and why can we only remember the good things about this relationship because we have something with our emotional processing that isn't going right we're filtering things out the way we interpret our own emotions our own needs and desires is somehow deficient in the end if i look at most of the empath narcissist relationships that i had to deal with and help people to to recover from it is us not letting go even after you know we've already broke up and went through the worst part of the pain of this relationship we're still texting still looking at his or her social media pages we're still going into this nostalgia and don't obey the rule number one in recovery from narcissistic relationships which is no contact we're inconsistent with this and you know in these different stages of recovery which i hope we can look into these here real quick today you will see that there is even after you let go and agree to being alone and, and agree to no longer being in this toxic relationship okay there is a process in us that kind of pulls us back where we have this really hard time processing this relationship and this is also the reason why so many people vilify narcissists because it's the only way for them to to justify this in front of themselves yes i got trapped i got pulled i got tricked into this i got you know abused uh, you know I, i've got I, I got abducted almost which isn't true okay because there's a piece in us in us empaths that simply cannot believe it we cannot believe that there are people out there that could be so strategically and overtly abusive. And obviously there's all kinds of mind control and gaslighting mechanisms going on. I don't want to diminish them and make it even harder for us to recognize that. But I really want you to understand that it is your aptitude to wanting to see the good in all people to focusing on the light, to focusing on, you know, the love in everybody that makes it impossible for you to read other people's emotions and needs and desires and agendas correctly. Now, another problem with the recovery from narcissistic abuse is the unawareness and also uh, to a certain degree, the unwillingness, okay, to look at our own patterns our own part in this this the, the the cringy stuff that we're talking about here and then there's another problem and that can even play out after the fact after the narcissist is long gone and you are in the middle of your recovery process or you're already you know calling yourself a thriver and an inspirer we still have a tendency to glorify that relationship and guys this is why from a spiritual and energetic point of view the, the whole topic twin soul or twin flame is so dangerous 99% of people who have a or who believe that they have a twin soul twin flame relationship with someone are subject or victim of a narcissistic of a toxic narcissistic relationship yeah 
that sucks, doesn't it? Because there is something like that. But it requires a very sophisticated, energetic understanding, discernment, and ability to read our own energies and to see energies, to know that, to know the difference. Another problem, which I know many of you here who are active in the sacred self-healing community here in Transcults are familiar with, is energetic projection. I mentioned something earlier. I said, well, all empaths are you know, energetically sensitive, and so are narcissists. Narcissists are energetically sensitive as well, with the difference in empathy degrees here, right? So we both, I mean, all people use their emotions to, you know, use projection as means to, say, incomplete or insufficient emotional processing. But not everybody uses energetic projection. That's more for the energetically sensitive people. And the more trained you are, the better you can get at this. You can implant pictures into people's heads. You can create sensations on or in a, a, a person's body. And guess what? The empath is extremely receptive for those. It's almost perfect. So you get the sender and you get the receiver and the receiver is asking for more because the receiver is in the nostalgia, right? It wants re to relive, you know, or he or she wants to relive these moments of excellence, these love bombing moments, those nostalgia moments. And the narcissist is specialized on sending them to you even through the etheric. Yes. Now, the other problem with recovery from narcissistic relationships is the distorted sense of self, of the empath as part here in that relationship. The narcissist already has a distorted sense of self. That happened way long time ago. It has nothing to do with you. That happened in childhood. And, you know, there's a sort of genetic uh, proclivities and karmic patterns here that can be seen. A lot of clinicians have the theory that you know when you were raised with narcissistic parents or addictive parents you know parents with full-on addictive structure or mental illness that you have a tendency to either develop codependency or narcissism so that the destroyed sense of self all right is not always for the empath not wasn't always there in the first place. With the narcissist, it was, but it's almost certain that in the course of the relationship with the narcissist, the longer it takes, or the, the, the longer the relationship, the, the more the sense of self is destroyed of the victim. And this has uh, to do with the dynamics here of the pathology, because part of this narcissistic empath interaction is that the transference okay so the lack of sense of self the utter emptiness the shell you know the sort of projective false self that the the narcissist has is aware to the narcissist the narcissist knows that he or she is empty inside and it needs another one who's full <laughs> of empathy who's full of emotions okay to replace this with so there's a transference that happens and um it often leads to the narcissist regulating his or her emotions through the impasse and that's then 
what uh, makes it so difficult for the empath, you know, due to the deficiency in knowing their own emotions, um, their own boundaries, their own needs, and so forth. In the first place, you know, it's like the 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 empath sort of slowly feels like he or she is turning into the narcissist, and this is something that we very often see as part of the recovery process, you know, to to turn into a narcissist a little bit in the recovery, then to balance it back out and to arrive at our true sense of self, at our true self. Now, the last problem that I have been observing here in my practice that makes it difficult to recover um, from a narcissistic or toxic relationship is that uh, people tend to vilify narcissists. And I want to say that most of what you find out on the internet is very single-sided. It's not very sophisticated. Um, even uh, what comes here from licensed psychologists is is very um, binary often um, and not very uh, deep in its analysis. So I really need you to be very cautious here. Um, there is a, a phase in your recovery where you want to learn uh, everything about narcissists and you'll end up you know, watching YouTubers and so forth. And there are a few really good YouTubers that I can recommend to you, okay, to really learn, you know, the, the sort of fair and square uh, way of looking at narcissism, codependency, and empaths. All right, and that's uh, Richard Grannon, that's Sam Balkan, and Ross Rosenberg. Those are my three favorite YouTubers here that illuminate these subjects on various levels, clinical psychology, um, uh, from the perspective of the narcissist, from the perspective of the codependent empath. Yeah, so um, Annette is asking a question here, are narcissists often violent? Okay, so Annette, uh, quite frankly, the empath experiences violence uh, with, uh, it has a very low threshold for violence, so experiences everything as violent, really, what the narcissist does. Uh, the empath just re uh, fails to recognize that even the love bombing and, uh, you know, the, the undivided attention and uh, this uh, sort of fixation on the empath is actually violent as well. It's very intrusive and it's therefore uh, in an attacking way, which is also why this sort of transference here can take place, okay? So um, the physical violence that you are probably referring to can be observed a lot in narcissists who are aging, uh, who are also addictive, okay? Then of course there's multiple mental illnesses that come or lead to narcissism that can be underlying you know, borderline, um, histrionic, many different crossovers here that can lead to, to the display of narcissistic behavior, and some of which, uh, you know, uh, lead to a very unregulated uh, behavior, which includes violence. It is, however, uh, something that if you look at the more sort of subtle forms of violence, say emotional abuse, sexual abuse, verbal abuse, uh, then if you call these things as violent, then I would say that yes, uh, definitely, not just from the empath's point of view, who more or less really uh, see, sees everything as violent, except for the destruction that is being done to him or herself, which again, you know, another reason why 
it must become aware to us as empaths that we actually don't have a good judgment about our own emotions and our own health. All right. Uh, but the physical violence is often in conjunction with uh, alcohol or um, uh, a mental illness or personality dis full-blown personality disorders. So what is this uh, omnius emotional processing that I mentioned earlier? It describes how we it describes the mecha mechanics of how we process our emotions in order to resolve emotional stress and overwhelming emotions and that's you know sort of the cross crossover to pathology you know if somebody uh, is not doing this right or in in in, a, in an insufficient way well then you know they can also really develop illnesses with this um, the mechanics of emotional processing are the you know describe the awareness level and the ability to discern sensations physical reactions thoughts about emotions context the cognition about your emotions this is what both empaths and narcissists and codependents are deficient in the ability to feel and sort feelings recognizing what we're feeling how we handle our emotions being in touch with our needs ability to express and meet our needs knowing and communicating our boundaries you can see here it gets quite complex when you look a little deeper you know away from this sort of uh, binary view so the bottom line is though and this is why uh, you know the problems with empaths and narcissists are so difficult uh, to heal not because i mean it, in the end you always have sort of the the, the victim, the suck dry empath victim, okay, that needs help at some point, all right, but it's often, um, you know, it often takes years and years and years and many repetitions, okay, um, until the healing process can actually begin. So uh, at the end of the day, we both, you know, share uh, the problem that they, that there are parts in themselves that they can't feel and because they can't feel them, it's very hard to heal them. Okay, just have to zoom through this here, guys, because I wanted to show something that is uh, very important for all of us here, whether we're narcissists or empaths listening to this right now, to understand. Narcissists are experts in labeling other people's emotions, needs, and desires, but fail to label their own emotions. Both display problems around empathy, both have problems with discerning what's inner and what's outer, what's positive and what's negative for different reasons. Empaths think they are uh, good in labeling other people's emotions, needs and desires, but fail to label their own true emotions, needs and desires. And because, like narcissists, they are caught in their own incomplete processing, they are very much alike in that. Both have emotional trauma. Uh, I don't want to go through the, the specifics of this, but the difference here between empaths and narcissists is really that narcissists know their own needs, agendas, and goals, and empaths are unaware of those. They're unaware of the narcissist's needs, agendas, and goals because of the deficiency in labeling their own emotions, other people's emotions, and recognizing the, 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 the toxicity of what the uh, what the narcissist does because the empath is so distracted by the the love bombing and what uh, he or she receives okay strategically obviously and violently so uh, uh, for the most part but that they fail to actually question 
the narcissist's agendas and goals. Okay, so empaths cannot understand the narcissist needs agendas and goals, and they will never understand them. And this is why we are so, like, say, inferior to the narcissist, really, because the narcissist knows their agenda and they know our agenda. It's very important to understand. Okay, so while the narcissist understands your, that your empath needs agenda very well, both fulfill the other's needs in that way, but the empath is not aware. They're not able to see or feel that. While the narcissists, narcissists loathe this empathy, the empath thrives on it. Okay, so this is important to understand. The narcissist really hates empathy. In fact, the narcissist whose primary goal is survival, you know, and the, the, the emphasis around his or her own needs sees empathy as a weakness, as a weakness in you. Well, uh, you know, you might see this as a strength, and it is a strength, because it's ultimately also the reason why empaths have a chance of healing and narcissists not so much and that is because they don't see the necessity for it okay it's not because empaths or uh, narcissists are so lost that they can never heal it's because they don't see the need to heal okay both use uh, energetic um, projection to meet their needs and um, uh, both but the empaths you know uh, both do this, but the empath internalizes or absorbs the narcissist's projections and uh, the, the narcissist externalizes the empath's projections. Empaths and narcissists experience the, same, experience the same emotional trauma, which is why they attract another. Okay, and uh, we will not be able to do this here, but I want to uh, emphasize here what is needed to recover from a narcissistic abuse. Denise is asking, is the narcissist aware of their own narcissism? Well, yes and no. I mean, they are totally aware of what they're doing, but they don't label it as narcissism. I mean, some can, and some are actually kind of proud of it. So they don't see that there's anything wrong with it. This is the main problem with that. Okay. Uh, Linda is asking, can, can you give us uh, the names in the chat of the YouTubers that you recommended? Yes, I can put them in the links. I gave you the names already. I put them in the links. So uh, the problem with the, the narcissist is not that he's not aware of the narcissism, is that he doesn't think there's anything wrong with it. The problem with the empath is that the doesn't want to believe that the narcissist is a narcissist, <laughs> you see? So, and often uh, to the degree, depending on the, on, on the abuse and for how long it's been, uh, lasting, you know, uh, beginning to doubt themselves to a point where they think they're the narcissist. This is also something that I see a lot in the recovery work here with empaths. So recognizing the need for active recovery work is extremely important. This isn't going to change by itself, guys. Yes, like Denise, like you've pointed out, there's also a very strong karmic pull into experiencing this over and over. Uh, it can only be healed through conscious self-focus and self-connection, and this needs to be cultivated. The empath needs to accept their own addiction to this love bombing, to you know the supply that they're getting. This is, you will not feel, uh, find many YouTubers or articles that actually go into this, except for if you look into codependency. So the bridge here 
between empaths and and narcissists and understanding that they're both in the uh, same realm okay that they are sort of part of the exact same coin they're not the opposite they are in the same realm one with an extreme overemphasized need to serve and heal others and one with an extreme overemphasized need to you know uh, do everything that is best for themselves okay and both have an addiction, both need a co, both are dependent on another, okay? So they meet in codependency, so to speak. And uh, for the empath, that's often not visible. So the, the empath needs to recognize their own addiction here, okay? Just as the narcissist, um, you know, has this addiction for narcissistic supply, we have as empaths the addiction to this narcissistic attention. We need to go into full-on self-honesty, inventory, and shadow work with ourselves. And uh, trust me, there's not a lot of empaths who are actually willing to do this. Now, now, you guys are, if you are part of the sacred self-healing environment here, but most people aren't. They uh, live, uh, you know, happily in believing that all narcissists are mean and bad, and that this has nothing to do with them. All right. Again, here, yeah, I don't want to degrade or diminish uh the, the the destruction and the damage that is being done to empaths here i'm i'm a victim myself i'm a survivor survivor and inspirer and i have uh, created countless articles and uh, public trainings and uh, public U uh, youtube videos about this subject so it's not that i don't see the damage it is that i'm honest with myself and that i understand today all right that there were many aspects of myself that needed to be healed for me to no longer feel attracted to narcissists. So that implied that I had to learn, you know, better emotional processing, um, that I had to become better at energy reading. At, I had to train this, the, 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 my empathy, okay, so that it becomes a, a true, fully functional empathy on a higher vibratory level and isn't sort of this empathy that we often confuse with sympathy. I had to do truth and discernment training, and this is all that I've uh, sort of dedicated my my life's work to. Really, you know, we have to retrain our nervous system. We have to better understand. We have to educate ourselves in you know these these unseen interactions between people, the uh, energetic absorption and projection mechanisms, and we have to understand what our coping is and how our self-soothing, you know, into nostalgia and the pain of the past, how that is, you know, literally what telegraphs out to all narcissists in the world that we are a willing partner for them, okay? Uh, in many cases, it's really important to do therapy. Even if it's just talk therapy or uh, communication training, we have to hear ourselves saying no. We have to hear ourselves saying these things and going into confrontation and learning how to desensitize us from the guilt that we feel. We have to do diligent boundary work. And last but not least, reframing normality, okay, so that we can restore the sense of self, that we have a more differentiated, rarefied emotional literacy, emotional vocabulary, and to increase our self-awareness. We need to really recover from our own coping mechanisms and increase our emotional intelligence or social and spiritual intelligence with this. And most of that has to happen through regaining our self-compassion, self-love, 
increasing our energy management, you know, become very good self-masters, recognize that we are the only authority in being us. This often also includes the, the spiritual component. I mean, I'm talking about energies here, so I'm uh, assuming that all of you, ex uh, you know, assume that the spiritual component is part of our overall health, you know, besides the physical, emotional, and mental component. We have to change our behaviors around others, not just our relationship partners. This this bleeds through and weaves through all our relationships, guys, and we ultimately have to change our worldview. Thank you, Becky, that you experienced this as empowering, this talk. And yes, I wish there would be more people who want to become aware of this. I wish there would be larger groups of people really seeking this. This, this is a public, um, training the video is going to be public on uh, YouTube. Please share, guys, with your friends, with family. There's so many people out there that are suffering from this, and I, I would like to just close here, you know, our uh, training call with uh, what actually your powers are. Okay, as a self-healer, what is self-healing? Self-healing increases our capacity to process and manage our energy and with it our emotions, our thoughts, and our physical and spiritual well-being as well. And what are our self-healing powers? You've got to really remember this. No matter where you're at, whom you're with, your number one power is your free will and your choice. You can always walk out. Number two, you have the right to choose your own ways, your own solutions. You just have to give yourself permission to do it, to explore it. You have to know who you are. Your alignment to truth is ultimately your saving grace, guys. This is ultimately why you are here, because you feel this prompting from within, okay? That you want more truth, that you want to see it for what it truly is not necessarily judging. That's a cool trait that empaths have. You just gotta be fair there, you know, some things are bad and some things need to be judged for what they are, for the destruction and the malignancy. Knowing your feelings, oh my God. Knowing your needs, knowing your wants and goals. Well, sounds like that's not rocket science, but trust me, when it comes to self-healing, that needs to be your power. Without that, you that's your weakness. Okay, being your true self, being in constant connection with your true self, present moment awareness, and your willingness to let other people be and to stop infringing. So if you want to know what makes it so difficult for you to self-heal, well then, you know, just reverse all these powers and you'll see what you have given up, what was taken away from you, or, you know, what uh, you gave away. All right, so self-awareness, guys, is the key. It leads to the inner experience of higher consciousness within you. And with it, you know, so many other, uh, so much healing that uh, you will just simply not be attracted to a narcissist or narcissistic, exploitative, parasitic, non-integrous, untrue people, places, companies, mechanisms, organizations, you name it. So what is it that you need? You need a better understanding. You need a better understanding of narcissism and empathy. And in that better understanding, guys, you will find your closure.
And this is uh, the end here of our presentation, guys. Uh, thank you so much for being part of this self-healing training. Please share the links, share the videos. Please um, let uh, people discover this uh, for themselves. Let them form their own opinions and uh, uh, share this, inspire other people with this. Okay, there is many, many people out there. And chances are, because you're an empath, you know a lot of empaths. Okay, because we can recognize another all right so thank you very much and i hope to see you next month in the next self-healing call give me topics that you want to talk about and uh, if you want to learn more well then come to our sacred self-healing community we have daily free meditations we have online courses i have customized personalized programs for you for energy coaching for energy healing for everything a la carte or in discounted programs. So let me know what it is that uh, you need. Thank you. I love you. See you next month. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.